Since you were just standing, we'll forego standing for the text, but can you take your Bibles this morning, turn them to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. I'm thinking about kids when they sing. Why, do, why don't adults sing like that? What's wrong with us? Even if we do like they do sometimes, you know, they're singing loud and they forget the words. It's just, blah, blah, they fill in with whatever. We could do that too. Nobody's going to care. It's all good. I'm reminded of what the Scripture says, childlike faith and humble ourselves like a little child. That's what gets us the kingdom having that pure heart. Anyways, Matthew chapter 2 will be our text for this morning's message. We're going to start in verse 1 and read down through verse 12. Last week, we looked at the fools who missed Christmas, and I want to, this week, look at the faithful who received it. We'll find for part of our text, at least, we'll go a couple different places this morning, but Matthew chapter 2 and verse 1. Matthew chapter 2 and verse 1. The Bible says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Verse 7, Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when ye have found him, bring me word again, that I may come and worship him also. And when they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. May the Lord add his blessing to this time. So Christmas looks a little bit different this year, doesn't it? It's not the same with what's going on, for sure. Not the same in society. It's not the same in a lot of people's hearts. Maybe there's less joy than there would have been last year. Or maybe there's more joy because people don't want to go to their family dinners. So they see this as a way out of it. I I don't know, but it's different, isn't it? In the past, I've talked about the hustle and the bustle of shopping. You go to a mall and they're packed. The stores are packed and there's lines to get in the checkouts and lines to get that gift And there's pushing pushing and jostling and shoving to try to get to the the thing that's on sale before anybody else because you want to get that one, right? 
Now if you want pushing and shoving, just announce Clorox wipes on aisle four <laughs> or TP on aisle three and watch people swarm. The only things packed anymore are drive-through lines and Amazon delivery vans, and God bless those poor people. <laughs> it's non-stop all day long on the street where I live at least. It's different. It's hard to see people's smiling faces through the masks. And I still haven't quite learned to tell squinty, smiley eyes from squinty, angry ones. <laughs> but uh, it's, you can't see people's faces. You don't know their expression. I know what I do see. I see at times fear, frustration. I see people in obedience or people in resistance and everything in between. And as I, I see that and I kind of take it in as we all do, I find that it doesn't matter where you may find yourself on that scale or what your feelings are about what's going on. There's no better time to speak of the gift of Christ. Paul says as he writes to the Corinthian church, thanks be to God for His unspeakable gift. The day that Christ came to us. There's no better time than right now for that living hope that we have within ourselves. For that unfading promise of eternal life that brings us joy and causes us to worship. All because He came. Now, if you want the disclaimers about Christmas, listen to last week's message. I'm not going to go through that again, but we have chosen to take this time of year to focus on that night in Bethlehem and the eternal impact that it has for us. Because truly, it changed everything. It changed everything when God became a man. I'm reminded of the verse of that high hymn, O Holy Night. Verse 3, so you know we hardly ever sing it. <laughs> We're usually 1, 2, and 4. It's one of those tucked in. If you start reading, I, I, I'll, I'll go along with Brother Bob. If you start reading the hymns, especially like the verses we don't sing, you might be surprised what you find. <laughs> There's a verse in O Holy Night that says, Truly He taught us to love one another. His law is love and His gospel is peace. Chains shall He break, for the slave is our brother, and in His name all oppression shall cease. Doesn't that sound good right about now? Christ is going to break this. Sweet hymns of joy, of grateful chorus raise we. Let all, let all within us praise His holy name. Christ is the Lord, O oh, praise His name forever. His power and glory evermore proclaim. O night divine, O night divine. Don't miss that. Don't miss that. Remember last week's message? Some did. We saw in the Christmas uh, accounts the fools who missed it, some that were too busy, like the innkeeper. And there are many who Christ could come knocking on the front door of their lives and they're too busy to let Him in. I've got this to do and that to do and you can wait or I don't have room for you and in so being, they miss it. We saw that there were some that were too scared, namely Herod. Too scared to lose his own power, the, his own control over his life. And he would do 
anything and everything he could to keep that. And you know what? There's people like that. They're too scared to give in and let Christ be Lord. So they miss him. Or there are those that are too indifferent as Israel. We saw that in our text. Herod asks them, where is this Christ to be born? They tell him where, but they don't get up and go check. No, they're too indifferent, too consumed by their own lives and their own hearts. So they missed it. But there are those in the account who didn't miss it. They saw and they rejoiced and they found Christ and joy and peace. And so I want to simply take a look at a few individuals in this account and maybe finish with a theme that runs through it and see what it means for us. So let's look here first at our text at the wise men. The wise men, just look in verse 1 and 2 of chapter 2. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, now this is something interesting to just pop on the scene and say, where is he that has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we are come to worship him. There is no question in what they're asking. There is no unsurety. They are saying, lead us to the one who is born king. Unlike anyone else, like I said last week, you're born a prince. You're not born a king. Christ was born king because he is king. Where is he that is born king of the Jews? We are come to worship him. Well, who are these wise men? Because they just kind of appear out of nowhere and They've always long fascinated me, and there's, there's much info we could go over. We'll save that for another time. But are these three guys on camels bumping across the silver sands of the desert to the tune of We Three Kings of Orient Are? One black guy, one white guy, one Oriental guy, like you've seen on the Christmas cards? You know, they've even been given names. Melchior, Balthazar, and Casper. And in the 18th century, someone said they found their skulls with the eyes still in the sockets looking towards heaven. Be careful of Christmas card theology because it's not always true. There's three gifts, didn't say three guys. The word wise men that you see here in your New Testament is actually a transliterated Babylonian Persian word, magi. You've heard that before, right? Magi. And it's talks about a certain group of people that were astronomers and astrologers and priests and scientists. In the Old Testament, it's translated this way, a magician. Magician. History tells us some. They were advisors to all four major world powers. They existed way back in the Old Testament times and well into the New Testament times. And they're quite unique, and, and uh, how, how, where do they get this information to show up and start looking for Jesus? Where did that come from? The Bible gives us a few insights. One of them might be a little obscure, but I, I, I want to set it before you anyways. There is a guy who appears that's in, in, in the Old Testament who's from the same area that this group originated from. He kind of shows up on the scene. He's prophesying. He's called a prophet. You don't really know who he is. You kind of read the account and wonder, where did this guy come from? His name is Balaam. Balaam. This prophet of God who, who's called a prophet, but he kind of comes out of nowhere. And 
his story is quite interesting. He says something that's interesting in Numbers chapter 24 and 17. I'll read it to you. He makes a prophecy. I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. Well, there are scholars who could tie the area where he comes from to the area of the origin of this group of people. Regardless, they appear again in the book of Daniel, and that's where they have prominence. If you read and you talk about all the astrologers and the wise men and the magicians and all that who surround uh, Nebuchadnezzar and, and all the groups of kings at the time, that's them. In fact, when you read the word magicians in the book of Daniel, it's magi. And there is somebody very important who factors into that, right? Daniel. In fact, Daniel chapter 5 says, Daniel is made master of the magicians or chief of the magi. And we all know the prophecies that he has, right? Daniel chapter 7, as Daniel is explaining one of his visions, he says, Behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. And there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and His kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. Do you see why they're on the search? For the one whose kingdom will rule all and it will not be destroyed? Whatever the case may be, they're searching. They knew some. They knew a little. But they're searching. And you know what? I think there's a lot of people we're going to run into our li- in, run in, in, run into in our lives that are searching. They may know a little bit. They may have been told some things back when. Maybe they have a history in their childhood, or maybe their grandparents or their parents were faithful or religious or believed in Christ or whatever it may be. But they may have a little information, and they may be looking for some things right about now, looking for some joy, looking for some hope and for some peace. Maybe they've seen a little bit of His light in you. Where will you lead them? Will you lead them to Him? Perhaps maybe we should be ready to point them in the right direction and say, hey, you know the one you've heard about? Here He is. Let me, let me tell you about Him. Let me show you what He's done. and Let me tell you what He can do for you. We can lead them to the light of Christ. (laughs) Herod did so unwittingly, didn't he? He pointed them to Bethlehem. You know, maybe we should point people in the right way. There's no mistaking what happens. They show up on the scene, they begin asking around, and then they get to the house. Look in verse 11. We'll skip down to verse 11 for time. When they were coming to the house, you know what that leads me to believe? It's not the manger. It's sometime later. Maybe a couple years later, but they still show up. And and notice what they do. They saw the young child with Mary's mother and fell down and worshipped him. They fell down and they worshipped him. And they show their worship by giving. When they opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Gold is valuable. It's what you give a king. Frankincense is what is offered to God. And myrrh speaks of humanity, pointing to his not only his humanity, but his coming death. They worship him. That's what they came to do. 
And it says they have exceeding joy in verse 10 when they see the star. They didn't miss it. They followed the leading of God. They followed the signs that pointed to Him. They come and they worship before Christ and they give Him gifts as it is right to do. In the midst and surrounding them, people who would miss and go about their daily lives. So they see it. That's the first group. Let's look at the second ones I want to take a look at. And that's the shepherds. Go to Luke chapter 2. Go to Luke chapter 2 if you would. Luke chapter 2, pick it up in verse 8. Luke chapter 2 and verse 8, and the Bible says, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us go now, even into Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept these all in her heart and pondered them in her heart. And the, sh uh, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told to them. The second group I want us to consider t uh, this morning is the shepherds. Now, we don't know a lot about class structure, especially in Middle Eastern societies, but shepherds were not the glorious class. They weren't the high class people. In fact, they were the lowest class. They're poor, working, respectable people, but they weren't on the higher end of the income. <laughs> oh, people would look down at them. You're one of those stinky shepherds, pew. You do that job. Oh, you're one of those. Especially when you contrast them to the priests and the Pharisees. But it's interesting to me that the angel doesn't come to the priests and the Pharisees. He comes to the everyday man now, doesn't he? The everyday people like you and me just doing our job day in and day out. They had no reason to suspect this night was going to be any different. But all of a sudden, all heaven breaks loose. Can you imagine the scene? Sitting out there in the darkness, maybe there's a fire, maybe there's not, but listening and keeping ear for the sheep and doing your best to stay vigilant and on guard, and all of a sudden, bright, blinding light, probably on a scale that we cannot even imagine, because it's not just light, it's not just a star, it says it is the glory of the Lord that is shining around them. The glory of the Lord that made, that made Jesus' garments so white that disciples couldn't hardly look at Him. The glory of the Lord that caused Saul of Tarsus 
to be blind. This glory splits the sky. And all of a sudden they hear a voice. Don't be afraid. (laughs) Sometimes it's easier said than done. Because it says they were sore afraid. I think I would be too. But the command comes and a, a message with it. Fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which is for everyone. And by the way, that phrase, good tidings, has the same root as another beautiful word, gospel. Good news. That's what the word gospel means, good news. And here this angel shows up and says, hey, I've got some good news for you. What is that news for not only these shepherds, but for all people, which means you and me today here some 2,000 years later? What is that good news? Verse 11, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. I love that. He's born for you, for me. This Savior has been born. Christ came for me to save me. Can you say that this morning? Do you know that personally? Because that's it, isn't it? That's the message that we all need to hear. That's the good news that it is for everyone. For everyday people like you and me walking around today gripped by fear in this situation or walking around consumed by anger and frustration. All of us need the blessed good news. Not of a vaccine. Not of a political victory. Not of the end of the pandemic. No, the blessed good news is the news of the Savior which has come for us. The Savior who is born to us to free us. To break the chains that bind us. Sin and death that we cannot escape from. No, He comes to break through those through His power and by His blood and by His eternal life. And He came to do that for you and for me. Oh, I pray that we would still hear that no matter how long we've known Him, no matter how many times we've heard it, we would still read this verse and be captured by it. For me, a Savior has come. And it is none other than Christ the Lord. God has reached down to me to save me, to call me to live in perfect peace with Him forever. Oh, praise His holy name. If that ever gets old to us, oh, I pray the Lord would break my hard heart so that it is tender again to the good news of the Gospel. Is this news yours? You know, I can stand before you and say that because... I know Him. I have experienced Him and His saving power. Can you do that this morning? Can you say, yes, Jesus came to save me? That comes by faith. That comes by repentance. Of turning away from your sins and those things which have caused you to be in judgment before God and turning in repentance to Him and believing on His work on the cross. We are saved by grace through faith, not of works. No, He came to offer this for us. I pray that you have accepted this morning. And that our voices would join with this heavenly host in verse 14. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace, goodwill towards men. 
I can only imagine what the sound must have been. The hosts of heaven, all praising. We think singing. Maybe they're singing. Maybe they're just simply stating in worship. Man, that would have been awesome. I look forward someday to joining that chorus and singing with them the very same thing. So the shepherds here. The first group had a little bit of knowledge and they were searching. The shepherds are told, hey, guess what, guys? Go check this out. Let me tell you about something. Go check this out. What did they do? Verse uh, 15. The angels were gone away from them. The shepherds said one to another, well, that was weird, wasn't it? Maybe we need to get some sleep. Do you eat some bad lamb? (laughs) Something? No, what do they say? Let us go now. Let us now go even to Bethlehem and see this thing that the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste. They didn't dawdle. They didn't put it off in a couple weeks. Well, I'll go to church next week or maybe I'll go to the altar call next week or I'll give God some time. I'll read my Bible next week. No, right now we're going. Can I ask you, have you done the same? Have you heard the Gospel? Heard this message of the Savior? Heard His call on your life and obeyed? The shepherds heard and they were obedient. And that's what we need to do. We hear the Word and we follow. Because if we don't, we'll miss Christ. We'll miss Him. Many people have heard a salvation message. They've heard the gospel laid out clearly and they've heard but not obeyed. Gone about their own way, their own way of thinking in their, in their own minds and so miss Christ. I pray that you would not. One last group of people I want to just simply turn your attention to are those who are watching and waiting. Those who have been watching and waiting for a long time, we're still in Luke 2, just go to verse 25. Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. The same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple when the parents brought him in the child Jesus for to do to him after the custom of the law. And then he took him up in his arms... And blessed God and said, Lord, now let thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. A light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. What a beautiful scene. This older man who's been serving, watching and waiting, gets to see with his own eyes the Christ. You notice what he breaks forth into? Praise and joy. You know what? I can depart in peace because I have seen your joy. Scripture goes on to tell us in just a few verses about Anna, a faithful old woman who is serving at the temple and experiences the same likewise. In fact, look at verse 36. 
There was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. She was a widow of about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings, prayers, night and day. And she coming in that instant, same instant as with uh, Simeon, gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. She gives, she gives thanks and tells all those who are around. We see their reactions. We see in contrast to those who missed it, those who wouldn't pay attention or those who couldn't be bothered with it. You see a sharp contrast in these individuals that sought Him out, and found joy and gave praise in their hearts. Can you see the similarities in the reactions here? And this is where I think it starts to hit home for us. Do you see the reactions? They find Christ and they find joy. The shepherds are rejoicing. The wise men are rejoicing. Simeon and Anna are rejoicing. They're praising God. They're giving God glory. They meet Christ. They go on their way happy, fulfilled, praising God. Worshiping. Perhaps maybe that's the best word that we could put it into. Worship. Do you know true worship involves all of those things? It's not sitting in some pew saying, (laughs) with some heartless hymn. No, a true worship springs from the heart. And it is joyful praise. It is Praise that is full of glory that springs from our heart that has been changed by Him. I see all of these individuals worshiping Him. The difference between those who missed Christ and those who joyfully received Him is that heart of worship. Whether they knew a little or whether they had been just told or whether they had been watching, a heart of worship is the key. You know, you look into the the Greek language to see what worship means. (laughs) To me, it gives perfect insight. It means to kiss the ring, which we get like bowing before a king or somebody of honor, showing honor to somebody. But the second definition, and this is straight from Strong's, I'm not making up, is like a dog that licks its master's hand. That's a pretty vivid picture. I've got a dog. One that really loves me. She wants nothing else than just to be around us. In fact, if you put her outside to go potty, it's too long. She's back at the door. Hey, let me in. What are you guys doing? It's been like forever. may have only been about a minute, but she can't wait to get back in. Hitting the door with her paw. Got to come back in. Now, cats, cats are different. I don't mean to offend any people that might have cats, but cats grace you with their presence. Oh, look, I'm here. Pet me. (laughs) They'll follow you if they want to. They'll stay in your house if they want to. They run the show. It's clear. And I simply wonder how many people treat God like cats treat humans. Oh, look, God, I'm here. Bless me. You're lucky I'm here today. 
Or are we simply overjoyed to be with Him? That's what worship is. Lord, I love You so much. I'm so glad to be here with Your people. I am so thankful for all that You've given me. I just want to sing to You. I just want to pray. I just want to learn more of You from Your words. I just want to find You. I want to have You in my life. and I want to tell everybody I know what You have done for me. Because You're so good and I love You so much. That's a heart of worship, isn't it? That's what I see in the people in this account. And what quite often is so lacking from my own life. I know Jesus. He's my Savior. I've been with Him. I've seen Him by the eyes of faith. I meet Him daily in His Word and as I pray. Why am I not going on my way like these people and saying, come, come see Jesus. Let me tell you about Him. But you know what? At one minute I can be like these faithful people who are worshiping, and at the next minute I can be acting like the fools who missed Him totally. Too busy, too scared, or too indifferent. Oh, I need to repent sometimes. God is worthy of my worship. He is worthy of our worship, is He not? Why else do we come here? Why else do we sing and pray to Him and then come back on the same day and then again on Wednesday? We do that because He is worthy. You can, you can add up all the good things in life, all the love and the joy that this world could give, every precious thing, all the money and things in the world, put them on one side of the scale and put Christ on the other and every time He outweighs all of it because He is worth far more. Far more than anything and everything. So yes, beloved, He is worthy of our worship and that's why we come here. He was worthy of the wise men's worship, of the shepherds, of Anna, of Simeon, of the whole world which will someday bow to Him. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Oh, He is worthy. He is worthy of heartfelt True worship. John 4, 24. God is a spirit and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. It's not some outward show. It comes from our very being and we do so according to truth. Why do I come here and not somewhere else? Because I believe His Word is true and He is worthy of finding a church that is based on and faithfully teaches His Word to there pour out my heart to Him in true worship because He is worthy of that. Can you imagine if the shepherds or the wise men would have went somewhere else? I know they said Bethlehem, but Bethlehem's a dirty town. I'm going to go look for him here. They said a manger. Oh, look, I'm going to this house. I like this house. It looks better. Oh, look, a cat. All hail the Savior. It doesn't work that way, does it? No, they went to where they were told and to where they were led. And beloved, he is worthy of our true worship. Worship that springs from our heart. And you know what you'll find as you do that? True joy, true peace, true contentment in Him. A worshiping heart cannot miss Christ because Christ is the focus. Christ is there in that heart, in that life. And then that life and that heart is full of hope and joy and peace. Maybe you need some of that today. 
whether you've been searching for it or just going about your everyday life or maybe you've known it and you need a renewal of that. All I can simply do is set before you the one who we speak of. Be reminded of who it is we worship, the Savior, God the Son, come for us. Because of this night in Bethlehem, your every day and your eternity can be full of hope and joy. The Gospels are clear that from this manger He would grow and go to the cross bearing my sin, dying in my place to save me. And to prove His power over sin and death, He would rise from the dead and is seated at the hand, the right hand of the Father in heaven. He has broken the chains that bind me by His victory over sin and death. And my friend, He can do the same for you. He can forgive your sin. Give you eternal life if you would trust Him. No pandemic can touch that. No pandemic has the power over Christ. No virus can touch the eternal life and promises He has given. I may contract it. I may die from it. But the instant my eyes close in death, I go to be with Him forever. Because He died on the cross for me. To forgive me. To save me from sin. To give me eternal life. Can you say that this morning? That fact and that alone makes me know it's going to be okay. It's all good. God's got me. He he came to save me. What else do I have to be worried about? I can simply ask the same question. Do you have that same hope? Do you have that hope this morning? Yeah, Christmas is a little different this year, but the one we worship hasn't changed. The joy that we have hasn't changed because it's untouchable by this world. You can be saved no matter what's going on. You know that? There's not perfect circumstances or I'll get saved when the world calms down. No. Right here in the middle of chaos, you can be saved. And you can have this joy and peace that flows like a river. You ever wonder why Christians talk the way they do? We sound crazy to people. In the middle of this, I'm happy. It's okay. The worldly mind says, are you nuts? Don't you understand what's going on? Yeah. But my faith goes beyond that. Because I know whom I have believed. I am persuaded He is able to keep that which I have committed unto Him against that day. There's going to be a day coming when I am with Him. You can have that same joy and that same peace. You can know them for yourself if you would come to Him. Turn away from your sins. Repent. Ask Him to save you. and Give your life to Him. And you can leave this place right with Him. Don't miss it. Instead, be like the faithful who received it with joy. Let's bow our heads. Father, I ask you would take these words that have been spoken, the examples before us in the Scripture. You would speak to our hearts through them, Lord, that we too would be running joyfully to meet you, to, to worship you, Lord, and then to spread to those around about us. Lord, if there's anyone here who does not know you as Savior, pray that you would use the words of this message to open their eyes to their sin and to the wonderful salvation you have provided to us through Christ. And that we would be quick to willingly follow you and to worship you in spirit and in the truth, Lord. Ask your blessing now on the words that were spoken. I ask that you move among us as only you can. I ask this 
In the mighty name of Jesus, amen.